So we probably aren't used to the preacher being up here on a scooter. <laughs> but I had to prove Doug wrong. I'm not a wimp. <laughs> if you, you may remember we donated uh, some funds to help Yarpie van Kempen from uh, Newcastle Baptist who has a quite severe cancer and I've actually seen photos of him preaching lying down on the stage. So yeah, it's a challenge. Well, if you aren't there already, you can turn back to Ephesians chapter 4. As you go there, I wonder if I were to invite you to participate in an orienteering event, how many of you would, would know what that is? How many of you would get, get excited about that? I know Josh Fisser and perhaps the Cables and some others have done that. But basically for the rest of us, orienteering is basically trying to get from point A to point B via a number of checkpoints using things like a map and a compass in as short a time as possible. So it's a race, but it's a race where the, the route is not clearly marked out. It's exactly the sort of thing I would not be good at right now. As you can imagine, there are a number of really important factors that go into the sport. If we were to move away from the sporting analogy to something which we might be more familiar with, something like a, a group of scouts or a military platoon, what might you need to be able to, to obtain your objective? Well, for starters, I think you need to know where you're going. You need to know what you're aiming for. If you don't have a, a clear idea of where you're trying to go, then you're very unlikely to make any positive progress. The way that you find out about your destination would be, would be in, a, in an orienteering event or a, a military platoon would be to consult your instructions or your orders and your map. And in order to use your map, you would need the requisite map skills. You'd be able to, you'd need to correctly identify landmarks to be able to get to the next checkpoint. Next, you'd need to be able to plot a course or a route to be able to get from where you are to where you need to be. You'd need to avoid various obstacles and choose the path which balances the least resistance with the fastest speed. Finally, in any group activity, there needs to be a leader. If everyone's leading, then it doesn't tend to work out well. You need to know on whose authority you're traveling and who you're going to be taking instructions from. If you think this sounds like fun, then come along with me to Ephesians 4, where we can do a little Christian orienteering tonight. If, you, if you're thinking, my goodness, if he's going to ask me to do this, I need to find a way to politely decline. Don't worry, come along. We're going to do this from where we're sitting. So we won't read the entire chapter again. Let's just read from verse 11. We'll be concentrating on verses 15 and 16. But let's read verse 11 just to remind ourselves of the, con of the context. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no, lo no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
Let's ask the Lord to just bless our time around his word. Father, it is a privilege for us to turn to your word together. I pray that you would send your spirits and help us to understand how we can apply this passage to our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would please help us to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we observed earlier that to accomplish an orienteering objective, you needed to know where we're going. We need to know how to get there, and we need to know who our leader is. And I think in the, these two verses, verses 15 and 16 of chapter 4, we see the destination. We see Paul saying we need to grow up in every way. That is what we're aiming for. Secondly, we see the root, which is speaking the truth in love. And thirdly, we see the leader, where he says, into him who is the head, into Christ. So those are the three points, the destination, the root, and the leader. So the destination. Paul, throughout Ephesians, has been writing to the church in Ephesus to help them to understand what it means for them to be one body as a church. He's been telling them about the basis for their unity, namely their one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. He then goes on to encourage them, saying that they are one body, and although they are one body, they've each received different spiritual gifts, which are used up, used by God as they're obedient to build up this one body. The reason for these gifts is to equip the saints for the work of ministry because, he says, we should not stay children, immature, and easily tossed around by every wind and wave of doctrine. Paul doesn't want them to be uncertain about what they believe, to be unsure, to always be doubting. No, he says instead they are to use their giftings to equip the saints so that together they may grow up into Christ. Paul's concerned that they do not remain young and impressionable, easily led astray. Now we know that Jesus told his disciples that if they wanted to receive the kingdom of heaven, they needed to become like little children. Children are dependent and they believe those whom they trust without doubting. Children are able to learn with humility, but Paul is not disagreeing with that. Paul just doesn't want the Ephesians to remain immature. He wants them to grow up. He wants them to become certain of what they believe so that they are not easily led astray. You see, because there is a danger of us remaining spiritually immature, to be alive but not grow. People who say, I don't want you to confuse me with all this doctrine stuff, these teachings about eschatology and about election and soteriology and ecclesiology, don't confuse me with that. All I'm interested in is a relationship with Jesus. People who speak like this naively think that they can keep things simple, and yet we know from Scripture that faith requires knowledge. Faith requires knowledge. Ephesians 4.13, he says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And also in Philippians verse, uh, 1 verse 9, he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Without knowledge, how do you know that this God you think you believe in is actually the God who lives? You need knowledge. How do you know this God at all? Doctrine is unavoidable. Doctrine is unavoidable. You're going to believe certain things about God. You're going to believe certain things about what God expects. But now I fully appreciate how, how off-putting academic Christianity can be. 
I think we can all see how some people simply study theology to draw more attention to themselves. They say, look at me, see how clever I am. My experience of the Bible is on a much higher plane than you peasants. I think most of us would feel a, a certain kind of revulsion to that sort of knowledge, that sort of sophistication. But that's not what Paul's talking about. He isn't calling us to be scholarly academics who can use big words for the sake of it. Paul is concerned that the Ephesian church, and us by extension, has true doctrine and is confident of it, so that they're not led astray to believing lies about God and lies about themselves and lies about what God expects. Paul wants them to grow up in their relationship with God, and he wants them to grow up in their understanding of God and in, his, in their understanding of his plan for redemption. So, should we then abandon theology and doctrine in an effort to avoid perverting this all with our faith with academics? Well, have you ever considered that because God is infinite, there's no end to God? No one can ever say, I fully understand God, I, I know God. We will spend all eternity growing in our knowledge of God and growing in our love and appreciation for this incredible God that we serve. Another thing to remember is that God has revealed himself through the word. He could have revealed himself through other things, Instagram reels, YouTube videos, uh, audio podcasts, but he didn't do that. He chose to reveal himself through the word, which is recorded for us as the written word. And so, in our efforts to understand God, it means we're going to constantly be reaching for the language to put into words the incredible reality that God has revealed of himself through creation, through his spirit, and in the scriptures. And this is why we need to try and grasp subjects like justification and sanctification and the trinity and election and things like that. We need words to describe these incredible realities so that we can benefit from the truths that we're talking about, so that our souls can be fed and nourished, and so ultimately we can grow. So, based on that, what is the destination that we need to be aiming for? According to Paul, in the second half of verse 15, he says, the destination that we are headed for is that we grow up in every way. That's what we want to be aiming for, that we grow up in every way. Paul's burden that these Ephesian believers do not remain spiritual babies, but rather that they grow up into mature manhood. The writer to the Hebrews had a similar concern in Hebrews 5 when he says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who've had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, one of the marks of a living entity, according to biology, is growth. Living things grow. And so if we're not growing as Christians, then we may not be spiritually alive. We may not be connected to the life giver, to the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to grow in grace and in Christ-likeness, yes. But in order to do that, in order for us to grow, we need to grow in knowledge. 
Growth indicates life, and as we grow, we know more of God, more of his character, his people, his precepts, and his will. So the destination is spiritual maturity in every way. Now that we know our destination, we need to figure out how do we get there? How do we navigate the the mountains and the valleys and the various obstacles to get there? So the route. Look at what Paul says again in verse 15. Instead of being children, those who are immature and tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine, rather than being those who do not know God, we are to grow up. How? By speaking the truth in love. Rather unexpected. Speaking the truth in love. This is how we are going to grow up. Speaking the truth in love. Not by listening to sermons by John MacArthur. Yes, those are wonderful. And thank God for the many gifted teachers that we have access to through the internet. But that is head knowledge. That's head knowledge. Head knowledge alone is not what Paul is is aiming at. He's not interested in us having head knowledge. Head knowledge puffs up, as we considered very recently in 1 Corinthians 8. Paul's not interested in knowledge which tends to pride. Paul is only interested in knowledge which promotes love. Love for God and love for the people of God. So do you see how this this growth is necessarily relational? Paul isn't outlining the route for personal spiritual growth. He's outlining the route for growth as a body, as the body of Christ. That well-known hymn, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. No. Paul wants each individual believer to grow, yes, but that growth is not individualistic. The joy that we have with Christ comes as we share it with others. We're going to grow up in every way in the context of Christian community, namely the local church. And I know that by preaching this in the evening, I'm preaching it to the choir. But I just want to encourage you that as you're doing, by gathering twice on a Sunday and at grace groups and the various other opportunities that we have to gather here with other believers, that what you are engaging in, these ordinary and and frankly sometimes tedious activities, is contributing to your spiritual growth and it's contributing to the spiritual growth of us as a body. Now, notice that it's not the mere presence of other believers that causes spiritual growth. So it's not not as if we have some sort of mystical, spiritual wireless charging when we gather with other believers. No, we are to be doing something when we gather. What What are we doing? Speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. We need to be reminding one another of Scripture. We need to be sharing how Scripture has influenced our own lives and our own hearts. We need to be wisely applying Scripture to the matters at hand and living it out so that we become living and breathing examples of that word which we believe. We need to be Christians, little Christs, those who are like Christ, who is the Word of God incarnate. But notice that we aren't just speaking the truth. We're to be speaking the truth in a particular way. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. We saw a few weeks ago how Jesus showed love for that rich young ruler uh, by speaking the truth to him. Remember when he asked, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? 
And we saw how Jesus loved him by pointing out the sin in his life which would have prevented him from receiving eternal life. So we need to be doing the same thing to one another as Jesus did for that young man. If we're truly interested in growing up into Christ, we need to be inviting others, other believers, to speak into our, into our lives. Speak the truth to us in love. So instead of perhaps focusing on how you can speak the truth to others in love, that's a good thing to do. Perhaps let's focus on how we can invite others to speak the truth to us in love. Consider this week asking a fellow believer how you're doing in terms of your patience. Asking another believer how you're doing in terms of your faith or your love. Asking them how you're doing to critique you in terms of your parenting, your marriage, your contentment, your selfishness, your pride, anything. Invite other believers in and listen to what they have to say. Now, of course, none of us is infallible. We all have our, our blind spots. We all have come from, from limited context and so we may, we may be speaking about something or criticizing something unfairly. But listen, I challenge you in the next two weeks to make time to get together with one other believer and ask them for honest feedback in terms of how they see your spiritual growth in some specific areas. And listen with grace and humility and work on those areas so that you can grow because their blind spots are not the same as yours. Growth in Christ happens in the context of the body as we speak to one another, speak the truth in love. So we know the destination, to be mature, to grow up in every way. We know the route, how to get there, speaking the truth in love. But finally, who's our leader? Who do we follow as we journey to the celestial city? We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head or the leader into Christ. Ultimately, our growth means that growth cannot simply be approached like a self-help book. We're not those who are interested merely in self-improvement for its own sake. No, we're interested in growth and truth and love insofar as it leads us closer to Christ. He is ultimately the goal. Insofar as it makes us more like him. Insofar as it shows more of him to the world insofar as it makes us love him more. Jesus spoke the truth to his disciples, and by extension to us, he spoke the truth to them in love. And Jesus grew in knowledge and stature and favor with God and man, Luke 2.52. The only way for us to reach Christian maturity is as we follow this perfect leader together. Jesus was the only man to live who never yielded to temptation, who pleased the Father who fulfilled all righteousness. And Jesus is the only other leader that we can have apart from our first father, Adam. Either we follow Adam, who failed, who embraced the lies of Satan, who did not speak the truth in love to his wife, Eve, or we follow Christ. Either we follow Adam, who failed, and who wandered off the course into death, or we follow the one who's already run the race and won the prize. Finish the course. The one who has conquered death and who has paid the penalty for our sin, which we all deserve. If we'll put our faith and our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are considered by the Father to be victors in Christ. 
His victory becomes our victory. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. And his death and resurrection become our death and resurrection. So family, as we run the Christian race together, like those participating in an orienteering event, let's fix our sight on the destination, Christian maturity. Let's navigate the route together, speaking the truth to one another in love, and let's follow, follow our leader and example in whom we have the victory. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for our leader. We thank you that we can have complete confidence following him because he's already proved that he knows the course. He's already shown us how to, how to do it. Lord, we pray that by your spirit we would be able to follow him. Pray, Lord, that you would help us not to be individualistic in our pursuit of Christ, but that together we would build the body up, growing up together into Christ, who is the head. And so, Lord, we thank you for this, your word, and we pray that you would please help us to put it into practice, uh, practically to invite one another to speak into our lives so that we may become more like Christ. To your glory. Amen.